From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. So it seems like we've reached a new stage in the evolution of cryptocurrency. Now, not only are individuals buying Bitcoin and the like, but so are companies. And that poses some really, really tough challenges for all the in-house accountants out there. Because remember, it's the accountant's job to quantify all of their company's assets and report that out on financial statements. But quantifying an asset with price swings as wild as crypto is no easy task. Does the U.S.'s gap rules or generally accepted accounting principles address this? No, of course they don't. Or at least not yet. So what does this mean, though? Are accountants basically just out here on their own? Today, we're going to be digging into that with Vivian Fang, a professor and crypto specialist at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. Vivian talked with Bloomberg Tax's Nicola M. White about why companies are now getting into the crypto game and what this means for their balance sheets. But first, we asked her to get us all up to speed on what crypto actually is. All right, let me start with the basics. Cryptocurrencies are decentralized digital currencies that rely on cryptography for security. To its loyal fans, cryptocurrencies represent this groundbreaking technology that has the potential to democratize financial markets because they can keep transactions transparent and records traceable. And by design, cryptocurrencies are less subject to government intervention, and they're more inflation-proof than fiat currencies like U.S. dollars. Of course, critics right, disdain cryptocurrencies because they see no real intrinsic value in them. Also, mining does consume a lot of energy, so they can be perceived as environmentally unfriendly. I began teaching a crypto class in 2018, and it has just been fascinating to observe how the market evolves and how the media coverage shifts. Along with the controversy, the cryptocurrency market has risen and fallen several times, but is now growing exponentially into the new decade. Um, a lot of companies are dabbling in cryptocurrency. Um, a few years ago, some companies such as Overstock started accepting cryptocurrency as payment. So instead of just paying with your credit card, you could pay for an area rug or a new set of lawn furniture with, crypto, with Bitcoin. But they immediately converted it to cash. Um, but now companies are actually investing in cryptocurrency um, to kind of ride those market highs and uh, beef up their balance sheets. Um, what what companies are investing in cryptocurrency and why would they choose to invest in such a volatile currency? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? I would say many things have changed over the past two years in the crypto market, right? Early investors in Bitcoin are either people who have very little trust in government or believers of blockchain technology or speculators. But now we see more interest from general retail investors, and we definitely see more interest from corporations, financial institutions, or even state and local governments. As you said, we see an increasing number of companies like Overstock accepting cryptocurrencies as payments or outright investing in them. Right? We see institutions rolling out more and more crypto investment vehicles like the recent Bitcoin future ETFs, for their clients or just general investment community. So why do companies invest in Bitcoin? Now, that's a much easier question to answer. 
With retail investors, they may invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for many reasons. Reasons that could speak to their investment objectives, beliefs, or ideology. But for companies that invest in crypto, there's one simple reason to profit. The interesting thing about companies investing in cryptocurrency, yes, they could make a lot of money if the price of the Bitcoin goes up, which it has certainly over the past year. Um, but it can make their financial statements look really wacky because of the wild swings in the value, and also the how companies are are supposed to account for the. Um, their holdings of cryptocurrency. Can you tell me what is, there are no rules for cryptocurrency accounting. So what do companies do right now? You're absolutely right. There's currently no official accounting rule that specifically addresses corporate crypto holdings. So in the absence of authoritative guidance, the prevailing practice is to treat them as indefinite lived intangible assets for their lack of physical substance and maturity indefinite lived intangible assets that is something things like brand names are um, intangible assets things you can't hold you can't see um, but hold hold some value and in the absence of actual accounting rules kind of crypto falls into this broad category exactly right like the traditional intangible assets we're familiar with are like goodwill from merchant acquisition right? Patent, copyrights, right? Like really intangible assets you cannot feel, you cannot hold, right? As you can see, cryptocurrencies, and they typically do not have liquid markets to trade on. Um, cryptocurrencies differ significantly from the traditional intangible assets. But it also is not like real currency, so it's not going to qualify as currency either. So it's sort of this black hole when it comes to accounting. So there have been some high profile examples such as Tesla buying, was it $2 billion worth of Bitcoin earlier this year? MicroStrategy um, has gone all in on Bitcoin. Um, so we're talking about large companies that have a lot of Bitcoin in their, in their, in their coffers essentially. And we you know, their financial statements just look kind of funny. And we just saw a headline about um, MicroStrategy having to take a, a big hit to their income because the value of their Bitcoin holdings reduced at one point during the quarter. But if the Bitcoin price goes up, they can't, it can't get accurately reflected. Yeah, you are absolutely right, right? Because the price goes up so quickly, the carrying value reported on the balance sheet can be a fraction of the fair value, right? Um, since you mentioned MicroStrategy, which I believe probably holds the greatest amount of Bitcoin among the publicly listed companies, right? Based on the price and the quantity of its Bitcoin holdings disclosed by the company in the first quarter of 2021, we can calculate a fair value of approximately $5 billion, which is $3.12 billion more than the carrying value reflected in the company's balance sheet. So we're not talking about a trivial amount, right? A trivial amount of difference between the fair value and book value. Which gets us to the very exciting topic of things that happen in an office park in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is where the financial 
Accounting Standards Board has its headquarters, and that is the rulemaker for U.S. accounting rules. And uh, FASB has actually rejected at least three times requests to take uh, to to look at uh, accounting for cryptocurrency. But things could change because this year the board um, put out a um, it's called an invitation to comment um, for its uh, future long term agenda. And one of the items on there was, should we address cryptocurrency? What do you think? What do you think might happen? Yeah, so I have been closely following the development on the FASB side, and I've submitted a comment letter myself. In the past, the FASB has maintained the position that public entities' holdings of cryptocurrencies are just not pervasive or material enough to warrant any standard-setting actions. To be fair, I also see the challenges, right? Because cryptocurrencies differ literally from any assets we've seen before in the market. They function similarly to currencies, but they lack government or commodity backing to be considered cash. They're liquid and readily convertible to cash, but they're too volatile to be considered cash equivalents. And they qualify as assets because they can bring future economic benefits to the firms, but they do not represent ownership interests or contractual rights to be considered financial instruments. So these properties make cryptocurrencies a very challenging asset class to write rules on, right? So that's. I mean, I think, you know, that's in FASB's defense. But I also think that the FASB, FASB will almost have no choice but to look into rule setting for corporate crypto holdings in the future, and hopefully not too distant in the future. I say that for two reasons, right? If we look at the big picture, the fact that the U.S. government is looking to collect an estimated total of $28 billion worth of crypto tax to fund the infrastructure bill is telling at least me that crypto market is not going away anytime soon. And based on my own research, the trend in the total amount of corporate holdings over the last decade indicates a trajectory of exponential growth, right, which kind of echoes the industries and practitioners' initiatives and calls for authoritative accounting rules. One of the things I think that's really interesting about your academic research is that, um, yeah, we know kind of the headliner companies that have invested in cryptocurrency, you know, Tesla, MicroStrategy, Coinbase, um, but because of the lack of rules, uh, you know, you're not compelled to report anything unless it's material, and that is a judgment call. Uh, but because of the lack of rules, we just don't really know the full universe, right? Right. Yes. It is incredibly difficult to figure out the universe of corporate crypto holdings for at least two reasons. One is, like you said, companies are not men; they're not required to explicitly disclose their involvement in cryptocurrencies. Right, so some firms they choose not to disclose their involvement because they just make the judgment call and they consider their holdings as immaterial, or for other reasons. Second, even if companies do disclose, but they apply intangible asset account accounting and they do not report the fair value, then we only get a fraction of their fair value based on what they report. 
And these two reasons make it very difficult for academics or anybody who's trying to get the landscape of corporate crypto holdings in the U.S. Um, I was talking to an analyst uh, not that long ago, and I was asking them, well, if they're not really holding that much in crypto, is it really that big of a deal, like if they tell you or not? And um, this analyst said that we just want to know because it also... If a company invest or a company has any kind of holding of cryptocurrency, it tells you about their risk appetite, which also is an important thing to understand about a company broadly. Um, so just the lack of information about that, um, it's it's a hole, and and it, and it can it can hurt how your full picture of a company's financial health. Yeah, and also I think that in the past, the rule setting tends to be backward looking. Right. But in the crypto space, it's important to be forward looking. I was just reading some recent surveys that show that at least at least one in 10 Americans bought cryptocurrencies last year. And more than two thirds are interested in buying this year. And companies, they listen to their consumer needs, their demands. Right. And I think that a lot of companies are kind of looking into what they can do to expand into the crypto space, which is why I said the fast beam may not have any choice but to look into rule setting in this space, hopefully not in the distant future. Right. And we should note about the FASB, it's a very deliberative organization. It is Definitely not, I'm about to use a pun, but it's not the fast bee. <laughs> it is the slows bee. They take a very, very long time. I'm sorry. They take a very long time to, um, to do pretty much anything. In an ideal world, what kind of accounting treatment do you think cryptocurrency should have? This is a tough question. Um, I obviously cannot speak for the fast bee, but in my personal view, as the crypto market gradually gets more stable, fair value accounting makes more sense to me because most cryptocurrencies are liquid and they're readily convertible to cash. But even if we want to stay with cost accounting, right, intangible asset accounting being one of them, to just to stay on the safe side, I think there are definitely things that we can do to improve on the current practice. First, make the use of the impairment trigger price consistent. Right? As we discussed, some firms use the quarter end price as the impairment trigger, and others use the lowest price since acquisition. And firms are free to change these assumptions from year to year. And these variations make financial reporting less comparable across firms and less consistent over time. And they are frankly confusing to investors or any users of financial statements. Second, I think the FASB should move to standardize the supplemental fair value disclosure. Even though most companies apply intangible asset accounting for their crypto holdings, at least for now, a fair amount of them voluntarily disclose the fair value. But such disclosures can range from a point estimate or detailed information on price and quantity held or even detailed transactions. But the location of such disclosures is all over the place. If an investor wants to get such information, you really have to do some digging in the 10K and 10Qs. 
again, you know, the lack of comparability and consistency really worries me because it makes it very difficult for investors and other users of financial statements to extract useful information or just to compare such holdings to Apple to Apple. That's right. Um, if you look at some of the disclosures that companies that we know have um, cryptocurrency as investments or they accept cryptocurrency as payment, um, it's not as easy as just doing a control F on their financial statement and finding the spot where they'll tell you exactly, oh, we bought this money for this price and this is how much they're worth today. They don't always tell you that. We want to know, we want to, and also, you know, it shows the company's risk appetite, right? And as you mentioned that for some of the companies, we should expect them to hold some cryptos like PayPal. Um, we find no disclosure of such cryptocurrencies in their 10Ks or 10Qs, which still puzzles me to be, to be honest. Um, but yeah, but there's no, rule that mandates companies to disclose their involvement in cryptocurrencies. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is clearly a space where the technology precedes rule setting and regulation setting, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I will say as far as disclosure goes, um, Tesla and MicroStrategy and Tesla are pretty transparent, um, you know, at least from Elon Musk's tweets you can back out a lot of the information. Um, but for some of the smaller companies, it's really a black box. That was Vivian Fang, a professor at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, talking with Nicola M. White. You can find up to the minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.